Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Very Funny Podcast. Look at us coming up in the world. We're uh, nine episodes now. I mean, we're practically uh, <laughs> we're practically a, a, a Game of Thrones uh, at this point in terms of sheer content. Um, first of all, wow, uh, you look amazing. Um, it's incredible. I mean, a lot of people didn't believe in you. A lot of people thought you couldn't do it. But look at you now. I mean, you look absolutely outstanding. It's an honor that you guys are sitting here and watching my podcast uh, instead of just walking around and uh, and having uh, people lavish praise upon you for your incredible physique, your outstanding psyche, and your just overall superb mental state, spiritual awareness, and uh, and uh, all without being vegan, which is incredible that you could pull that off. Um, very difficult to do without getting in touch with um, the vegan overlords to be able to really become that pure. So um, it's fantastic. Almost forgot to to put the engagement ring on. That's not a boom. We're back and committed to you, though. I'm engaged to you guys. You know, I had to explain to my uh, to my fiance the other day. She said, "Number, do you love me?" And I said, "I'm just with you for the money." And uh, she was like, yeah, but I mean, do you love me? And I was like, <laughs> anyway, so uh, first of all, it's uh, I'm very happy to be with you guys again. Um, uh, since the last episode, a lot has happened. I uh, I found out that I, I was misgendered when I was a, a young man. Uh, and uh, I was, uh, turns out that I was born and assigned the gender of a boy. But um, turns out I was always a man. So, um, you know, I, I, for those of you who don't know, I was born when I was seven years old and, um, um, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough birth, uh, on my mother, um, because, you know, she, she never, in, she never saw a pregnancy. She was just there. And then one day, um, she felt something and she reached into her bag and I was there and, you know. Sometimes it can be difficult to understand exactly where we come from, but um, when when you have a, a podcast with people like you who are watching it, is it really necessary to understand where you come from when what's important is who you hang out with? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm hanging out with you. So whether I was born a boy or a man, whether I, I, I would have been luckier to be born as a woman, more superior, these are all things that or maybe I would be born somewhere in between. Uh, there's a there's a condition where you can be born with both. Had, had you know whatever it is, if I was born Christian or Muslim or Jewish or atheist or hell satanic, right? Uh, whatever it may be, I think what's important in life is eyebrows. And if you look here, I mean, wow, right? Can you imagine no eyebrows? but wrinkles like this instead of your eyebrows here. So just imagine one for anybody listening who's uh, who's into Photoshop, go on the YouTube video to see this. But you see how I do with my forehead here? Maybe you could Photoshop this instead of my eyebrows. I'm curious what that would look like. So let me just. Uh, fantastic. Ah, oh, yes. So anyways, in this past week, I've had a lot of fun because I started a Twitch channel. And uh, I do streaming now. Oh, and by the way, I have one show upcoming, Toronto, May 4. So I'd love to see you guys there. That's this coming Saturday. I'm going to be in Toronto. And um, what? Uh, and last week I was in Irvine on Wednesday. Sold out show. So thank you very much for telling your friends and family about the show. I'm, I know you did. And, um, 
And thank you to everybody who showed up because that show was so much freaking fun. The people there were amazing, as always. Um, and I still got Toronto coming up. Anyways, this past week I started my Twitch channel, Nimmer Comedy. You know, all my platforms are Nimmer Comedy. And uh, Twitch, for those of you who don't know, is a streaming service where you can basically, you play video games. Or actually you stream anything you want, but it's mainly a gaming platform. You play video games and then you, uh, you're, 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 you see how this face, uh, this vid- this frame would be like smaller. It would be about this big on the side of the screen. And the video game would be there or whatever else you'd be streaming. Or it could be you on the whole, on the whole screen. But uh, in my case, I'm playing a game called Sekiro. Sekiro. Shadows Die Twice. Or as people who don't, you know, want to try to pronounce it correctly, call it Sekiro. Playing Sekiro? My hips don't lie. And um, basically, I'm playing Sekiro online. And really what my channel is for me is me (laughs) having more fun. I love gaming. I think I've talked about it, I believe, here on the podcast before, but I'm not sure. You know what? I haven't maybe talked about my love for gaming. I think I did briefly. But I love gaming, and when I'm gaming, I'm usually entertaining myself. So as I'm gaming, I'll be singing, I'll be saying catchphrases, I'll be having a good old time. I don't play multiplayer games. I like to play singer, singer, singer prayer, singer prayer. I like to play single player games, and um, that are you know narrative driven RPGs, role playing games where you have character development and story arcs. And they're just beautiful, and the and the gameplay has to be great. Like I love great, great games, but single player. And um, before Twitch, there was never really any way to enjoy that experience with somebody else, unless they were here at my house, uh, or I was on their couch or whatever, and we were playing. And I'd be making them laugh while I play. I always like to make people laugh. And um, the Twitch is an amazing platform because it's basically now my ability to do a different kind of show. So you know, the podcast here is a kind of show. When I'm on stage, it's a kind of show. And when I'm playing video games and narrating and making jokes all the time and acting different characters, that's a show in and of itself. And it's really exciting for me to express myself artistically in multiple different formats. So whether or not you play video games or you don't, uh, I'd love it if you guys would jump to Twitch and throw a follow over there so you know when I'm online and jump on in. There's the chat, just like we got when we're watching the premiere here. And uh, we got some of the people who are on who are fans of the podcast always on the premiere here that are also joining me over there and it's so much fun to have you guys there and um let's laugh some more right uh the link is twitch.com uh sorry twitch.tv forward slash nimmer comedy you just go to twitch.tv search for nimmer comedy links below as always so when it comes to gaming um this is this is something about the world that i don't understand we're into storytelling, okay? When we go to watch a movie, it's because of this, you know, more often than not, you're going to see it for a purpose. If you're going to watch an action movie, maybe you're going to watch it just for the action. But when the action movie has a great story, it elevates the action. As human beings, we're story-driven. I think that's what separates us from the beasts, if you think about it, is the fact that we're story-driven. I mean, I... I highly doubt that a pack of hyenas sits and tells one another stories of ancient hyena. This is something that human beings do. We pass our experiences, we pass our mental DNA, our spiritual DNA, through the stories that we tell. Uh, Japanese culture, they used to believe that, okay, if you have this sword, it was passed down from generation to generation. It had a spirit to it, right? They would believe that the sword would carry with it the spirit of the people that it had killed or the previous fighter in their conquest. And really, whether or not you believe in that, 
um, per se, that there's an actual spiritual kind of uh, inhabitants to the physical object, right? Whether or not there's a realm of spirituality that that can be connected to the physical realm because the physical realm was so impactful, whether or not you believe that, there's no denying that if you pass a physical object down from generation to generation, it carries more weight because it carries with it the stories. If you hand something down to your children and then to their children and then to their children, just like the Japanese would do, let's say, with a sword, um, every time you're handing it down, the stories get handed down with it. It's kind of like a physical marker for a genetic spiritual thing that we have in our mind. So even if you're watching an action movie, if there's a good story, it elevates the action because there are character motivations. The the hero, the protagonist has a motivation and, and the villain, the more sophisticated the villain, the more excellent the film if you take a look at the dark knight trilogy it's um for christopher nolan it was the villain that elevated that movie so much whether it was the first one with uh with um with jesus his name no what was his name oh my god i the name eludes me or the second one with the joker heath ledger or the third one with bane they were master performances by comparison batman's performance was amazing but it wasn't it wasn't the showstopper right it was the reason that you rooted for batman so much was because he was in the face of insurmountable odds one of the problems i've had with the standalone marvel movies a lot is the motivations of the villains are often very very weak iron man two or three he made some guy wait on the top of a building so now the guy wants to kill everyone it's weak whenever you have a really good story it adds to whatever medium you're enjoying right however if the action is terrible, let's go to an action film. A lot of people consider action movies to be very easy to do. That's what they consider. If the action is terrible and the story is great, it also leaves something lacking. But when you get both, when you get something incredible on every genre, the directing is spectacular. The action is unbelievable and inventive. Like in The Matrix, the story is outstanding, right? The Matrix is an amazing example of a movie that had story, great acting, unbelievable directing, Pushed, changed, there's a pre-Matrix era and a post-Matrix era in cinema. Did so much. And it elevated it because the story was mind-blowing. So we're story-driven people. I mean, that's not even up for debate, right? So what, 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 what troubles me, in books, we've been reading books, writing books. Before we had visual entertainment, books were the thing, right? Then when movies came out, it was a revolution. When you could see film, even a still frame, a picture of yourself blew people's minds, right? And then they started putting footage, and then they would sync audio to the footage, and people were like watching, and then there was silent film, and then with audio, then Technicolor, and cut. there was color. Then Technicolor, Wizard of Oz, one of the first films to ever have color, blew people away. It didn't change the fact that you needed to have a great story, all it did was it added and elevated the medium because we are able to express ourselves in another dimension. So if you're reading a book, I'm expressing a story to you through the dimension of pen and paper, right? Through paper. You're looking at it, you're reading it, and then your imagination is connecting with it. Now, I'm giving a lot of trust to the reader for their imagination to really paint the picture. Oftentimes, you'll read a book and you'll visualize the characters and the setting in a certain way. And then you might be surprised to see an illustration somewhere in the book and be like, holy shit, that... It's a bit different than what I felt, but tonally it does feel correct. And sometimes not. Uh, sometimes a movie is made and people enjoy the movie because it was based on the book and it really felt like it came from the book. So as a creator, whoever is creating, it's always beautiful to be able to add another dimension to your expression. So whether it's, you know, you take a story from a book, you add visuals to it, right? 
you it's a movie now a soundtrack to it oh my goodness some great editing and directing you've elevated it however every time you add an extra layer there's a very big risk that you actually reduce from the source material so storytelling this is what i love about stand-up comedy stand-up comedy is such a powerful pure narrative it's one person on stage man or woman or in between gay or straight irrespective of age religion no matter what it's human spirit on stage with a microphone lights crowd it's the simplest most distilled form of entertainment some people will sing some people will have stuff some people use effects and stuff inside of the thing but the greatest stand-up comics would take to the stage run their hour two hours whatever it is walk away world creation as i've said before right you're creating a world and it's just the beauty of it is that through the mannerisms through the pacing the rhythm the uh, the storytelling the the anecdotes you choose the analogies you say the laughter that you ride the waves that you form you're able to accentuate punctuate and really alleviate certain points of the show to make an entire narrative pop in a certain way to achieve a certain tone and in and of itself it's its own kind of medium and that kind of medium serves it so well to take a stand-up comedy show and if you watch a lot of comedians have done this they'll start inserting clips of what they're talking about it takes away that's a medium that isn't served beyond somebody talking if they want to take what the comedian is saying like you'll have sitcoms seinfeld tim allen's home improvement many of the sitcoms were based from stand-up comics back in the 90s especially especially when you'd have one name ellen her show you usually dial into that comic you like their spirit you like their tone you like what they talk about on stage so you write you have the comic join a writing team and write out a show based on something you may have seen them do on stage but you don't just translate it directly it doesn't translate so there is a risk is all i'm saying there's an added risk to trying to add more layers to the medium but the risk is worth it because sometimes it pays off and it pays off big that brings me back full circle to gaming gaming is the furthest humankind has come to expressing themselves um sure if you're playing a multiplayer online game like call of duty you can hide narrative in there but it's not a narrative based game but narrative based games storytelling has gone so far and a lot of people think video games so they immediately think to themselves not for me i'm a grown-up first of all why when when did it become a source of pride for you to become an adult don't you remember when you were a kid you used to say i'm never going to grow up when did it become a source of pride to not be a child anymore look being a child is great being attracted to children not a good thing not big no right there being a child i mean i was a kid and now i'm a kid with a budget that's it holy shit when i found out when I started to get disposable income and I made my first trip down to a, a Burger King or a pizza and I found out you could buy like a large pizza for seven bucks, six bucks. I was furious with my parents. Every time I would want a pizza at the house, I'd have to beg for us to order a pizza and they'd make it feel like I was bringing financial ruin on the family. Seven bucks, you can get a large pizza. That thing can last you two, three days in the fridge. Not in my house. It lasts me an hour, but you could, right? It's cheap. Hell, that's cheaper than cooking food. If you factor in the manual labor and stuff. Dude, cheeseburgers, 99 cents, a dollar, two bucks, you can get cheeseburger. Have you spent 50 bucks at McDonald's? 
If you spend $50 at McDonald's, you will walk out of McDonald's the pimp of your entire hood, dude. You will have so much food, you can feed the village for 50 bucks. Now, as an adult, I go to a restaurant that's really nice and fancy, and 50 bucks gets me a main course and a Diet Coke. But dude, you go to McDonald's, you see, wherever you go to a place that was originally really geared towards kids, you get better value for your money, man. Being a kid is amazing. But even in that respect, think dismissing video games as childish is so stupid. This is the biggest industry in the world right now. It's the biggest entertainment industry in the world. Bigger than movies, bigger than any than any sport, bigger than anything. I don't know what the exact figures are because I don't have them off by memory. But in the hundreds of billions, approaching trillions of dollars of revenue generated from this, from what we can track each year, it's enormous. So on an adult perspective, you should be interested. But furthermore, from a storytelling perspective, imagine the ability to take a controller in your hand and become the character, as opposed to opening the pages to a book and mentally becoming the character. You are now mentally and physically connected to this character. Take it a step further with virtual reality, which is now becoming more and more popular. You plug in a headset, and now you are the character. Are you kidding me, man? Are you kidding me? That doesn't excite you? I remember when Oculus Rift, which was one of the first VR kits to really go viral, become popular as, as an actual working kit that really made sense, I applied to get a developer kit. I'm not a developer, but I really wanted to try the technology. And I got the Oculus Rift, I hooked it up to my PC, I put on the goggles, and I had a, a flying game, I can't remember what it was called, in outer space, Ugh. I'm not going to remember the name of the game, and I had the, um, you know, the joystick with the uh, throttle for flying, so I have to put my hands like this, but obviously it'd be in your lap, I got a wooden thing, I attached them to it, so you, you can press forward to, to fly, to thrusters forward, thrusters backward, you go like this, you have buttons on top, several buttons to shoot missiles or guns or special weapons, I turn on this game, I put on my virtual reality headset, it's pixelated. The, the, the resolution isn't full HD. I think it was 720p at the time. Um, and it, the display was an LCD. It wasn't what they're using right now. This is years ago. But the mapping was one-to-one. One-to-one. Meaning, if in the game, if I turn my head like this, the game is exactly moving with zero delay, one-to-one. So your brain cannot tell the difference. Your brain is convinced. You know that you're not there, but your brain doesn't. There is a very funny videos. I highly recommend it. Go and just search for uh, virtual reality roller coaster. The funniest video. They plug these people in. They have them standing up and they do something called rift coaster. And I did it to my friends as well. And it's basically a roller coaster simulator. That's in your thing. When the drop happens on the roller coaster, these people fall and start screaming. Myself included, I had a friend, Lies and Jim, he's a guitarist, some of you might know him, very famous in the Middle East. He was screaming like a bitch. And we had to grab him so he doesn't fall over. It was the funniest thing in the world because your brain will, everything is there. All the emotions that you get from fear are there. You can't control it. So I put the goggles on to play this flying game in space. And there, you know, you shoot, you fire, you do all that stuff. I take off. I'm flying, and I can't believe it. I'm in space. At this moment, I'm in space. I'm looking around. I see the cockpit of the of the plane. And this, this realism is so important because I'm able to see 
everything in front of me. When I'm pushing the throttle like this, the throttle in the game is moving with a, with a virtual hand on it in the exact in tandem. When I'm moving the joystick, my hand that's on the steering joystick in the game is moving one to one. So my brain is plugged in and I'm in outer space. I'm in outer fucking space and the graphics are incredible. And then the fight begins. We, I start firing lasers. I, my heart is thudding in my chest. I'm exalted. My adrenaline is pumping more than when I've played this game with a controller by far. I have my headphones on to get as much spatial realism as well because audio is important. I fire and destroy my first uh, spacecraft. It blows up. The sound explodes from the front. I'm flying towards it. Debris flies over my ship. I hear it flying at the exact same time that it's flying, matched one to one. I look up and see everything flying. I duck like this. I go out. I fly by. I pressed escape, ripped off the virtual reality headset, put it down, took a deep breath, and never turned on that game again. It terrified me how much fun I was having and how much better it was than real life. With the horrible LCD uh, display, the subpar resolution, the fact that my mind was convinced with that made me very excited for when my mind would be convinced with photorealistic graphics, where we, which is where we are pretty much right now, very close to. In fact, arguably some of the video games I'm playing today look better than real life. I would prefer not to have them photorealistic. So, with all of this, People dismiss gaming as childish. I'm going to take it a step further and dive into the storytelling. When you're playing a video game that costs hundreds of millions of dollars to make, it takes you 60 to 80 hours to complete this game. It's a game that for $60 gives you 80 hours, some games two, 300 hours, if not more, of playtime. The value for your money is insane, but that aside... This is a game where hundreds of millions of dollars, thousands of employees, teams upon teams, creative directors renowned the world over, sat and worked for five, six, seven years sometimes on a singular experience for you. This isn't one author. This is, this is the culmination of human evolution, coming together, working, cross networks, the marriage of all our different technologies to bring an experience singularly honed for you for your enjoyment, to blow you away. And sometimes they miss out and the game flops, but sometimes it changes everything. And what you can do with the game changes everything. Not just how you play the game, but the way the story is told. There's a very popular gaming series called Dark Souls, made by a guy called Miyazaki, okay? Miyazaki's Japanese. And Miyazaki, in his Demon Souls and Dark Souls, Bloodborne, inspired a whole genre of games called Soulsborne games. And Sekiro, the game I'm playing right now on Twitch, is made by the same company. They also made games like Tenshu, which is a marriage of Souls and Tenshu to get Sekiro, which is its own kind of game. Now, you might ask me, Nimmer, how do you mean? Let me tell you how incredible it comes to storytelling, what you can do in video games. If you're playing a normal video game, in an open world, and you're going around, you meet somebody, you talk to them, they give you a hint, you go to investigate elsewhere, you meet another character, there's a whole storyline, there's a whole thread that you can follow. 
It's a side quest. It's not the main story. It's character and world building. You can skip it. And that alone is so powerful. The fact that you can finish a game having missed entire story threads, having missed entire levels, areas, says a lot about how much it's left for the individual player to be motivated to want more. And if you want more, there's more. It's hidden and it rewards you for finding it. So that's a normal game. You go around, even in linear games, which aren't open world and you're not going to miss anything, it's, you know, you meet this character, he tells you something, you feel differently about the villain. At the beginning, you hated the villain, but then you sympathize about with the villain. And when you come to fight his henchmen or the villains, the things they say now carry different meaning because you now know different motivations and everything starts to change. But you can get that from book, you can get that from movie. What, what the Dark Souls series did, which was incredible, Miyazaki grew up in Japan, was a huge fan of the Tolkien books, Lord of the Rings, um, all these fantasy lore. He's currently a huge fan of Berserk, and a lot of that bleeds into the Demon Souls and Dark Souls series. And I highly recommend that manga and anime, Berserk, the original one. It's unbelievable. And this man didn't understand English. And he sees a lot of these fictions coming out in English. He spoke enough English to get by in some parts. So what he ended up doing is he would read these stories, the books, and he would fill in certain parts. He would understand this part, he would understand this part, but this page, that page, he didn't understand what happened. So he would construct his understanding of the story based on what he understood. So if he knew that this character died and he understood that, and he knew that that character later on died or lived and he understood that, and he knew earlier on that they were at odds, then he would presuppose that this person defeated him in a battle, let's say. what was It was deeper than that. He would write down what he understood and piece the story together. So there were gaps, story parts that weren't told to him, that allowed him to piece the story together, and to his knowledge, he understood the story, but he very well may not have. Come time to design a video game. This guy said, I want to design video games where I don't give the full story, but I do give enough for you to get the story if you read the item descriptions about things you might find lying on the road. So if I find a certain artifact lying in a specific area, but I know that that area is not where that artifact should be, I should deduce that somebody from the area where the artifact was came and visited here. Is it significant? Well, maybe in another place I hear a story about a man who traveled and took something to a different land and I'll be like, that must be the man. Then elsewhere I hear that once a man traveled to a different land and it caused such disruption that they ran out of vegetation. And then I remember that that area doesn't have vegetation. Therefore, that must be the man. And I start to piece the story together. Now, this alone is a very interesting storytelling technique, and it elevates the story because it hyperdrives your imagination. But to take it to a next level, he made it so that players, he wanted to design a game where players in the real world had to discuss certain things with each other to figure things out. He wanted a game that took the connection between the software and the hardware, the physical and the spiritual, if you want to call it, or the digital and married them closer together. Some communities started to form. Forums online, chat groups, people started discussing. I found something here, what do you mean? I have this theory, I have that theory. It became philosophical discussions. Why would this happen? Why would that happen? 
do you understand this story? There's a guy called Vati Vidya who does videos on the Soulsborne series games. He's created an entire career just from making videos off of the stories and they're absolutely incredible. Philosophical, deep, analysis is brilliant. The thought patterns that this young man has are unbelievable and it actually helps you in other things in your life, the way you might approach critical problems. This took gaming from being a specific one, two, three approach to possibly a one, two, three or one, two, four, one, two, two, A, two, C, back to three, diverging path to a whole different realm. Different things were happening. The way you started to understand and comprehend stories changed. Added with the medium, the music, the visuals, the gameplay mechanics. He took death, death, which in all gaming has meant you lose to no longer be a you lose. Death became a mechanic in and of itself. It became something that you accepted. Death didn't mean you lost. Death mean, means you were learning. Life lessons, stories, incredible characters, magical moments. That's what gaming is. And when video game tellers are, uh, video game tellers, video game storytellers are ambitious enough, they can elevate it. Metal Gear Solid is a franchise made by another Japanese creator, Kojima, Hideo Kojima. And what he's done with storytelling is unbelievable as well. In Metal Gear Solid 1, one of the enemies you're fighting says that he's going to manipulate you with his mind and your controller is going to vibrate in your hand. And back when this happened, blew people's minds away. And the only way to defeat him was to break his mind. So you'd have to unplug controller one and plug it into controller two's slot to break his control. These ways of challenging the digital and the hardware physical world, you, the human being connected to it, engrosses you further. As a comedian, I grow from these experiences because I learn how I could make my shows more exciting or my stories more on point. And as human beings, by living these stories and getting more into the characters, we become more sympathetic, more empathy towards one another. We understand because we are placed in the shoes of certain characters who might be murderers, horrible human beings, but their motivations and the things that they were put against make us understand different points of view better. So if you're a parent out there and your kids are playing video games, don't discourage them from playing video games. Encourage them to teach you how to play too and join them because you're missing out. Saying I don't want to play video games is saying like I don't want to partake in electricity. I don't need the light bulb. You don't need a light bulb. You can get by on candles. But it's a much darker world on candles. It's a much more interesting world and there's a lot more to see with some electricity. And it's the same thing with games. You can still get everything without games, but it's a much darker world. Trust me on this. So to be able to go on Twitch now and do my stream and be able to game there, it's, it's in and of itself a whole new way to experience a narrative. We're playing Sekiro, which is a single player game. The story is developing and people are live with me on the stream and we're discussing it. I'm giving them certain plot points. Today I was playing a boss and somebody told me to do something. I went to an area with enemies actually before the boss and he told me to use a specific item and it caused a behavioral change that I didn't even know. And I have already finished the game. I'm playing it the second time because it changes every time you play it. And it blew my mind and it changed the narrative. It made me understand that this item that I previously thought was for one purpose turned out to be for something totally different and changed the entire understanding that I had of multiple facets of this story and characters. In this game, Sekiro, there's one character who you don't see a part of him. Later on, you see a boss 
where he's also missing a specific part and then you link two things together when the game is over you're like wait a second and that fires up your imagination and you get excited because you just realized they didn't tell you it they showed it to you and they left it to you to understand and whether or not you understand it that's up to you and your imagination it rewards the player for being a better human being how many things do that today how many that's the only one and in this world as dark as it is today with so much negativity judgment here's a platform that can connect people in ways that are unprecedented can get people to enjoy one another in ways that are unprecedented and discuss ideas and philosophies in ways that are unprecedented and some of us don't even want to take part how bizarre instead we take pride in things like college degrees and work experience which is all great but that's not legacy building that's requirement fulfilling look i graduated from a top tier university the american university of beirut finest university in the middle east oldest university in the middle east it's incredible and i got an unbelievable education but nothing i learned at the aub could i not have learned without it and in fact i've learned so much more than it could ever have taught me just by youtubing stuff and that's the thing about the world we live in today. You don't need a college degree. In fact, a lot of people who are going the traditional route will get a college degree, get a job in a multinational corporation, and rise in the ranks, and one day be making $800,000, a million, $2 million a year in salary, working a nine-to-five, waking up, grinding every single day. And then a kid with a dream in the basement starts mixing music together, puts a few tracks out there, they go viral, and now he's making one, two million dollars a night. The world we live in today is no longer a world where there is one path to success. We live in a world today where whatever path you choose, if it's driven by passion, motivation, ambition, you have a chance to see everything that life has to offer. And when you play video games, if you're motivated by passion, ambition, and imagination, you have a chance to see the entire video game for what it is. Video games are the perfect mirror for the potential of life that we live in today. And that's the truth that the sooner you accept it, the better a life you can live. And some people might argue, well, Nimmer, if I'm playing video games, how am I going to live life? And well, my friends, with everything in life, the more balanced it is, the more you enjoy so instead of saying I'm going to balance and skew it to never trying video games or they're too difficult, therefore I'm not going to improve, how about adding a bit of video games into your life? Because then it gets you excited. When I was really heavy in university, uh, I was 158 kilos, 148 kilograms, sorry. And then I hated myself. I was a meter 95, 148 kilos, not a good weight to have. Honestly, I think I even made it to 152. I watched an anime called Berserk, which I mentioned earlier in the episode. It inspired me. It motivated me. And a year after I finished episode 21, I believe, it's 21 or 23 episodes, a year after, I was 95 kilos. I started working out. I started dieting. I believed in myself. Stories inspire us. Stories tell us that we can do better. And stories tell us about people who did do better before us, so we have no excuse. Unless, of course, we have a physical disability or a mental disability. 
or a psychological disability, then that's a different story. But we can all improve our lives and to eliminate any medium from our life and not really give it a shot when it's there and it's available for us. That's criminal and that's on you. So if you're going to take anything away from this episode today, is that you should game and you should read. If you don't read, if you just watch TV, you watch movies and you don't read, you're missing out. Reading, film, conversing, stand-up comedy shows, concerts, video games, YouTube videos, content creation. We live in such an exciting world. Crafting, sculpting, painting, art, food. There's so much to take in. Science. We can look at the skies and see things we've never seen before today. I can log online and watch live footage from outer space. Do you understand what that means? We live in a time where you can look at yourself from the heavens. Early man would look to the heavens, not understand what's going on, and call it God. Today, we got a camera up there. Doesn't mean there is no God. It means what our threshold for what was so unexplainable that it was God has now become the understandable and the within reach. So if you believe in God, how much greater can God be? To understand how great God can be, why are you not dialing into all the mediums that we have here? And if you don't believe in God, nothing changes either. What an exciting world we live in. It doesn't matter where you're from, what you do, or who you are. Everything is given to you to become greater. There's one thing that I have, uh, a criticism for people who do um, say this about there being a God. And I will never discuss my personal faith, whether or not I have it. That's irrelevant, and I'm never going to discuss it. That's something I consider private to every single person. And I wish more people would follow my lead. But one thing that irks me is when people say, to err, to err is human. And I'm just human. I'm not perfect. One thing that always struck me as incredible about Japanese culture when I was studying karate, I was doing uh, something called Shotokan Karate back in the day, is there were 10 tenets, and they were called the Bushido, or the way of the warrior. And the Japanese were a non-God-believing people for thousands of years, generations. They never looked to the sky and believed in a God the way we believe in a God, a Western civilization. They believed in spirits and strength of spirit and communication and stuff like that, but there wasn't a higher power. We, as a Western civilization, believe that God is a higher power, the ultimate power, and that's a cap. For us, there's always something greater than us. In Japanese warrior culture, they also believe that there is, no matter how great you are, there is always something greater than you. However, in the tenets of Bushido, they do believe that you should seek perfection of character. Your life is a constant seeking of perfection of character. We don't seek perfection of character. We accept that we cannot be perfect. Whereas original Japanese culture would tell you that if you are not perfect, then you can do better. For us, if we are not perfect, then we are just human. And I found that a lot of people that believe in God will use God as an excuse. And one thing that troubles me, and I think about this, I don't have any children yet, but I actually wonder, is introducing God as a necessary element in my family 
smart or limiting? Because I look at it as it's very uplifting and elevating to believe, to have a faith and to see a higher power that's out there that can lift everybody up and that if you pray, if you believe, that higher power will be there for you. But at the same time, it's a bit debilitating to tell a young mind that there is always something greater than you. Not that there isn't, not that that might not be true, but to cap imagination by telling somebody that you might not be able to get to a certain peak. Look, I can't fly. None of us can. There is no human being who can jump off a cliff and fly. But when I was a kid, nobody told me that. So I thought I could fly. So my imagination was unlimited. Now I was an idiot and I jumped from a tree and I almost broke my leg. But I had a cape on though. Full disclaimer, like I tied a towel. So I, I, did, I did do, I did put A for effort. But sometimes I think to myself, if I wasn't told that we can't fly ever, what may I have invented or created or achieved? Maybe nothing, but definitely more than had I been told that it's impossible. And when you tell somebody that there is a God, that there are some things beyond your control, and everything has a reason, no matter how unjust it seems, it's an easy way to deal with difficult situations. But imagine telling somebody none of that. What would happen if they were not surrounded by any of that? If they were surrounded by the belief that everything is in your power to change, but it's just very, very difficult because it's within your nature to be weak? What would happen? If you ask me, I think that there's a very good argument to be made that we might be better human beings. I'm not saying in the absence of religion. I'm saying in the absence of an absolute. My fiance is Muslim. I'm Christian. This is the, the faiths we've been born into. Um, I have never seen anything, any behavioral trait in her that differentiates her from me as a human being and neither her to me, although one day I'll have her on the podcast and maybe she disagrees and I'm, I'm whack. But it has nothing to do with religion and religion doesn't even come up on the day-to-day at all. I am in excited and enthralled that my children will grow up in an environment where they can see a Muslim woman and a Christian guy married and they don't even know the difference. I'm excited for them to see to live in a household that mirrors the real world, a household where people of different faiths are the one and the same, have the same energy and are able to produce something of beauty. I'm excited for them to be surrounded by beautiful human beings, my family and her family, because my family and her family, their celebration of faith is so beautiful that even if I was an atheist, and maybe I am, once again, won't say, I would be so happy and, and humbled to be in their presence because anybody who is a truly faithful person, and to be truly faithful, that definition can be debated every day, but my definition of somebody who's truly faithful is someone who celebrates their faith themselves. So somebody who has a certain faith and their faith strengthens them, and they use that strength to better the world around them without saying or doing it in the name of the faith publicly. They do it because their faith told them, we need to make a better world. It gave them the strength. I do not understand 
when religion went from being a system to inspire and bring out the best in us as a human species to becoming a system to, div to label us as a human species. The whole point of religion, of a God, is that there are tenets, there are things that are told to you so that you can become a human being that is better to make your world better. You don't make your world better by making it your religion. You make your world better by practicing your religion. People are like, oh, the Muslim faith is growing. The Jewish faith is growing. The Christian faith is too large. Buddhists are growing. Everybody's afraid of some certain thing. Who cares? Is the world getting better? If not, address that. Use your faith to do that. I'm excited for my children to be surrounded by faith. But I want them to understand that that's faith. And that's something that every single person understands in and of themselves. I don't want them to believe that there is a faith that they have to adhere to. I don't want them to believe that there is something they can't be. I want my children to think they can be God. I would like my child to watch Avengers and think that he could too one day raise his hand, snap his fingers, and annihilate half the world and just say to himself, but how? I just need to figure out how. Even if it's until he's 10 or 8, even if until she's 10 or 8, I want there to be no limits. Why? Because faithfully, I believe in my family. And I want to make them the best they are so I can make the world the best that it is. So by removing religion as a central theme or identifier of my family, at least this is what I'm thinking. Who knows what will happen when I get there? I believe I will empower them to be more than just Christian or Muslim or religious. I'll empower them to be human, which is greater than everything. And if you believe in God, did I just say anything that was heretic? All I just said is God's creation is greater than everything. We live in a world that's circular. And if you believe in God, he placed gravity, he or she placed gravity at the center of the universe or it. And we live on a circle, on a sphere, unless you're a flat earther, but you have a gravity. And this gravity is pulling everybody together. But in the name of religion, we do everything to pull it apart, to divide ourselves. There is a God that puts something in the center of our world that constantly pulls us all together, that keeps hugging us and bringing us together in the center. And all we do in God's name is divide one another. My problem with faith isn't the belief in God. My problem with faith is the bastardization of its understanding. And gaming gives me an ability to experience people, stories, and different view, points of view without having to compartmentalize us into any kind of faith or religion or whatsoever. So I invite you all to not only join me on my Twitch stream, but to also join the gaming world if you haven't already. And if your kids are into it, join your kids. And if you don't like the games your kids are playing, sit down with them. You'd be surprised how excited they'd be if you'd want to play. If you come home with a video game and be like, hey, I heard Sekiro is an incredible game. You want to play it? I think your kid would be so happy that they'd be running around the house. And it's not a boy's activity. It's not a girl's activity. It's not any gender's activity. It's a human activity. Is reading a book exclusive to any one gender? 
ask yourselves that. Encourage your children to not be compartmentalized into anything, faith or otherwise. Your daughter isn't meant to play with Barbies. Your son is not meant to play with an action figure. Your daughter and your son are meant to play with the world. Explore and explore with them. What you weren't able to do as a kid, now you maybe you're more successful, you have more money, you have more free time. Experience it vicariously through your children. And if you want to be the greatest parent that there is, don't. Do everything and sacrifice everything so they can experience what you didn't. And then one day they'll be able to share it with their children. And if you want to adopt that as faith, because that's mine, go ahead. I'm going to end it right there. I just wanted to talk about this stuff because I'm very passionate about it. Um, I want to jump on the uh, some of the questions I've been asked. Uh, I took screenshots of here, answer some of your questions. Uh, let me take a look here. I'm going to start with this question that came to me from Nermin Sasua on um, Instagram. Don't forget, if you guys want to ask me any questions, just drop it in the comment section below here on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, there is no comment section. So please uh, go to either YouTube or direct message me on my Instagram, on my Facebook, uh, and it's Nimmer Comedy on all platforms, or Twitter, or Twitch, Nimmer Comedy on all platforms. And Amin asks, um, she wants to know the importance of accepting oneself and others. Uh, Nermin, I believe I kind of answered that right now in the uh, with with what I just with this episode, the importance of accepting oneself and others isn't, is twofold. You accept yourself so that you can begin to use and explore the potential of you. Whether you're very fat like I was and overweight and disgusted with yourself, I accepted it. I accepted that I was disgusting. I accepted that I hated my body. I did not try to get others to accept me. I accepted myself for who I am. I didn't create a false narrative in my head that I was a beautiful person. If I felt beautiful, I would have created that narrative. I would have had that narrative. I felt hideous. Therefore, I accepted it. And I began to explore the world with that body, with my physical presence. And it turns out that you can change your body in this physical world. So with that body, I did. And I grew. So once you accept yourself, you can then begin the adventure. And when you begin the adventure, that's why you want to accept others. Can you imagine running into certain people in your life and not getting to know them based on a predisposed opinion? How pathetic and weak and stupid are you to say, I hate Jews or Christians or Muslims or Buddhists or I hate people who are tall or short or fat or fuck people who play this or that or screw people who read this or that. So when you find out something about someone, you're like, yeah, bro, see you later. You just cut yourself off from a potential incredible side quest or maybe something that could become a main mission. In my last episode, I talked about the stand-up comic, Arifi Wekid, who is the first ever hijabi stand-up comedian in the world to stand on a stage in the Middle East, get standing ovation in Christian areas as a Muslim woman. Through her stand-up comedy, her courage to try stand-up, then get on TV for it, she met her husband. Married, happy, I hope. Whether or not she's happy, though, her whole life would have been different if she hadn't taken a chance. Hell, my life would have been very different if I didn't leave my job to do this. And if I was like, I'm going to do comedy only for these people, instead of my mindset of I want to make the world laugh and I want to bring people together, 
I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't know the people that I am, that I do know today. I, I wouldn't have had the adventures I did today. That's the importance of accepting yourself and accepting others. You shouldn't accept others. That's ipso facto. You start with everybody accepted. You should then proceed to reject others based on your interactions with them. Be wise. Family or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is how they treat you, and that's how you treat them. If somebody's toxic and negative, out of your life. Doesn't matter who they are, family or not. My best friend George is family. We're not related by blood, but he's family. I have family members I wouldn't even consider friends, and that's how I live my life. And you don't need too many friends. Smaller the circle, the better time you're going to have. <clears throat> J.M. Abirizit asks, would love to hear about your engagement and marriage situation. I, I talked a bit about it in this episode. Um, the situation is I am engaged, uh, going to be married to the woman of my dreams. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm married. I'm not engaged. Uh, it's just, you know, you got to plan the wedding throw it in Lebanon and do all that stuff so the families can come and everything. She's Lebanese. She's Muslim. I'm Christian. That's never been an issue. Never will be an issue. Um, we can't get married uh, at a church without her registering as a Christian or something. I can't do a mosque without, and I don't want faith to be a central theme of my family. So when we do our wedding, we got our own plan and our own ideas for what we're going to do to celebrate our love because that's what a wedding is supposed to be. And if anybody doesn't like it, they can fuck off, family or not. I couldn't care less. I'm paying, so fuck you. It's that simple. <laughs> you live much happier when you know exactly what you want in life. I want her. Don't care about the rest. Eli Malouf on Instagram sent me, um, he asked me if, uh, to talk about the challenges and pressure from parents and traditions to follow a certain path rather than following passion and doing what makes a person fulfilled. That's the most dangerous thing. Like I said earlier in the show, there are people who are being doctors and stuff because their parents told them to. And then a Twitch streamer ends up making more money than anybody could imagine. It's not what you do that makes you successful. It's whether or not you give a shit that makes you successful. If you get up to be an accountant every, if you get up to work every day and your work involves at the moment in your career path, it involves paperwork and data entry. If that if you're just working to make a living, you're going to be depressed, dejected, and you're going to start to look for happiness in food, in drugs, in drink, in women, in men, in relationships, in all the wrong places. But if your purpose in life is to become the CEO of a company, and currently you're in a place where it's data entry, but you know that you have to get through the data entry stage to elevate further and get promoted, the data entry does not become data entry. The data entry becomes just another chapter on your way to becoming CEO. So your passion is that CEO position, and everything along the way is an adventure. With purpose, there is adventure at every turn. Pressure is going to be sky high, but everybody who's pressuring you is going to be dead one day or another. So do your own thing, because when they're gone, you're going to still be here and you're going to have to deal with that shit. And dude, if you can't handle the pressure, then you're not cut out to handle the reality of whatever it is you want to do. You think anybody was like, yeah, never go be a comic. It's a great idea. There are still people who, who don't believe I'm a comic. I got people who come up to me. So like, this is all you do. You know, people who try to bring you down. Everywhere you go, no matter how successful you are, people will always try to bring you down. Do you know how many people come up to me and say stuff? Like, I have friends where they they come up to me and they say, I was talking to this guy, and he's like, you know, I never really found him or that funny. Who gives a fuck what you think? It's not, it doesn't matter. Why are you giving your opinion? Why do you care? 
Why are you still trying to bring me down after everything I've done, all the success that I've had? Why, why that comment? What's the point? It's because you're so insecure with yourself, you need to bring me down a notch so that you can, by comparison, not be so far away from me. No matter what I do, when I made the cover of Rolling Stone magazine Middle East and I posted it on my thing, people were like, hey man, great Photoshop job, just keep believing, one day you'll make it. <laughs> that was actually really funny, right? But people come up to me, man, I'll go, do, I'll go do events, private events, where I get paid a good amount of money. Everybody knows that getting me there was a big deal and it was a huge thing. And there will always be somebody at that private event that will come up to me and be like, so do you, do you do anything? Is this all you do? Just comedy? And I'm making more money maybe in that show than they might make in the entire year, right? I doubt it. But let's say I'm doing that. But they have to say that because they can't accept that somebody who followed their passion and their dreams could be so happy. And on stage in front of everybody, his happiness is so apparent because he's making everybody around him so goddamn happy. It makes them realize, like, I could have been that person if I followed my dreams. But rather than face the reality that they failed themselves because they took the easy way out, they would rather create an alternate reality where I'm a failure. And I'm okay with that. It doesn't bother me because whatever makes you happy, man, as long as I'm happy, enjoy yourself. I'm just not going to hang out with you and I'm not going to respect you. <clears throat> uh, Robert Khairallah asked on uh, the last episode in the comment section on YouTube, did you ever have to deal with a heckler during a performance? Of course. Oh my God, all comics have to deal with hecklers and hecklers are amazing because hecklers are an opportunity for you as a comic to show off your chops. For some comics, some comics don't do well with hecklers and that's fine. But having somebody interrupt the show, it gives you an opportunity on how to handle the situation. And it says a lot about your personal character on how you handle the situation. Some comics get angry and start cussing and bullying. Other comics have very smart comebacks. Some comics find a way to flip the person from antagonizer to somebody who becomes a cheering participant to each comic his own. I think my crowd's very familiar with how I deal with hecklers. Um, and finally, I'll take just one last one. Mustafa Fakhani on Instagram. I think it'd be cool if you talked about if you ever struggled with racism while living in the United States or any sort of adversity you faced. It's always cool to hear about someone's ups and downs because they always give an insight into how this person became successful. It doesn't necessarily have to be racism. It's just an example. Could be anything, including stigma from your family for going into comedy. If there was any, you got me, I hope. If, you, if there was any, you got me, I hope. So this is kind of following on what I just talked about. Um... I think the racism angle is an interesting question. I haven't faced racism in America. I've been incredibly successful in America for the short time that I've been active here. And Americans are not racist. Americans are easily manipulated. And this might come as a spoiler alert to a lot of people. We all are. It's just the American media machine is so powerful that manipulation happens on a very swift and massive scale. I mean, this is the nation that brought the world the internet. So it's not crazy that they would be the best at utilizing it, even if it was for nefarious purposes. As an Arab man who stands on stage, my comedy special is called No Bombing in Beirut. It starts off by me saying I'm Lebanese. Every time I stand on stage, I say I'm an Arab and I'm Lebanese. And I say it proudly because that's who I am. Ethnically, it's a part of who I am. And I want people to know that my perspective is coming from here. But I also say I'm American because that's also a part of who I am as well. But I've never been in all the places that I've been. I've experienced so little racism, so much less than a lot of other people might. And the racism that I experienced wasn't because I was an Arab or because it came from a place of fear or ignorance. And the few times that I did experience it, it was ugly and we dealt with it. 
and I talk about it in my stand-up, and there were violent situations, yes. But I did not experience any more racism in America than I did in the Middle East. I have not experienced any more anything anywhere in the world than anywhere else. And that's the truth. Human race is equal parts messed up as it is great. And that's the bottom line. It's just the truth. We all need to work on ourselves, no matter where we are. And in America, there is a lot of things that they do really, really well, and a lot of things they do really, really bad, just like everywhere else. It's just whether or not you're ready and accepting of the narrative that engagement between people only brings better things. That's the bottom line. I've experienced examples of racism far worse towards myself from my fellow people in the Middle East. And I talked about that in the last episode with my experiences in Jordan, for example. Not with the crowds, but with organizers. So if it comes to it, really, my experience has been the way I've carried myself. I believe that the way I carry myself and the rhetoric and the narrative that I set by dominating every stage I'm on, by being the alpha in the room when I have to be, has allowed me to live a very positive life. And I'm not saying if you live a negative life that that's because you're not doing what I'm doing. I'm saying I'm privileged and I'm fortunate enough to be in a specific set of circumstances that have allowed me to dictate a life that is very favorable to me. And I truly wish that you all have that opportunity today, yesterday, or in the future. And that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much once again for checking in here on episode nine. Can't wait till next week to share with you episode 10. In a few days, I'm going to be on a plane off to Toronto where I'm going to be spending about 10 days there seeing my best friend in the world, Rabia Haddad, and I'll probably have him jump in on the podcast or say hello. And um, then I'm going to go to Lebanon for a few days. I'm setting up a show in the summer, so I'm going to swing by Lebanon, take care of that to do something very special in the summer. I'm not going to announce anything until that comes. I'm very excited about that. We're looking at the last week of July, first week of August to drop something never done before in Lebanon, a comedy show obviously but just something special i always try to do something special for you guys um and i'm trying to think of something else i can do besides the massive bl show which i can only do like once every two or three years uh because i miss you guys and i have a lot of comedy to share with you and i I feel it's unfair to share it with the world not anybody else miss all my family and friends in in beirut always um so if you got friends or family in uh toronto please tell them tickets are on sale at nimmercomedy.com it's this saturday may 4th and um twitch.tv forward slash Nimmer Comedy. Join me on the stream. And of course, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. It's Nimmer Comedy and Twitch. Nimmer Comedy. And I'll see you all there. Thanks again, everybody. I love you. Bye-bye.